good to be with you, Overlake. I, I love, love, love being on the journey with you. Uh, why don't you grab your notes out of your handout? My name's Mike, one of the pastors on the team. We're, we're trucking through a series called Kingdom. Kingdom of God is, Kingdom of Heaven is, and we'll take a look at what Jesus has to say about the kingdom. Um, <clears throat> what I want to do, uh, just at the very beginning, is this is coming up here. It's 4th of July week. And uh, it's, it's a time we think about our nation, we think about, you know, what it is that we're, we're, we're trucking as a nation, and what kind of challenges we face internationally, here at home, what, what, you know, all of this stuff. And, and I just thought, this would be a great week for us, just to spend a moment, and, and we're going to pray just for, just for the good old U.S. of A. We're just going to pray God uh, works on us and in us, and... and um, and then I want to end that prayer that I'll pray with inviting all of us to pray together the Lord's Prayer. And we'll put it on the screen, and we'll just kind of all say it together. Overlake, we don't do this very often, um, but I do want to invite you just to go ahead and, and to pray out loud with me as we go through the Lord's Prayer together. And it ties in with the message, so it, it all sort of makes sense. But let's bow our heads and close our eyes, and let's begin in prayer. And Lord Jesus, we really do want to say thank you. Um, we are just filled with gratitude at how richly you have blessed us as a nation, um, just with majestic beauty, immense natural resources, with these incredible freedoms that we dare not take for granted. You know, Jesus, you, you hear the songs all the time around this time of year that, that we're proud to be an American, and, and yet, Jesus, we confess to you that, that we are humbled to be American we're, we're so humbled and grateful uh, for all of the many blessings that you have poured out on us as individuals, as families, as communities, and as a nation. And so we just want to begin by, by saying thanks. And, and Lord, you know what we face even better than, than we know it ourselves. You, you know how you are calling us to engage in the nations. You know how you're calling us to engage with one another to tackle uh, the, the, the social um, uh, issues and how we care for our neighbor and, and how we seek to value justice. And, and so, Lord, would you just, just fill us with your spirit and, and allow us to, to lead and live and love and govern um, in a way that brings you glory and honor. And Jesus, we also want to confess right now that as, as much as we want to say how grateful we are to be living in America and to be a, a part of this national thing, this reality, we just confess that our ultimate hope is not in our nation and our ultimate hope is not in our leadership, our governance, even our freedoms that we have as a nation. Lord, our ultimate hope is in you. And that's why this morning we do pray for our nation, but even more fervently we pray for your kingdom. And so Jesus, we want to pray as you taught your disciples to pray. And we say this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we want to continue the journey talking about the kingdom and, and talk about what we just prayed, that, you know, your will be done, your kingdom come. 
And uh, I shared last week about how when I was in Sunday school, it really was a nice little song that they taught all the Sunday schoolers uh, that, that we would sing, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Allelu, allelu, hoo, yeah. Like we would sing it and it was in rounds and then the guy part and the girl part and it was, you know, so melodic and, and wonderful. It was heavenly almost, if you can imagine Sunday schoolers being heavenly and and. But in my entire career as a Sunday schooler, I, I don't ever, 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 not even one time remember somebody taking the opportunity to describe what the kingdom of God meant. And, and it's just so interesting, uh, ironic even, that we would be singing, seek first the kingdom of God. I didn't even know what the kingdom meant. Like, are they talking about the magic kingdom? Like, is this a Disney thing? Or is this where the kings play, the kingdom? Like, how, what, what's going on with the kingdom? And if I don't even know what the kingdom is, how can I even begin to seek it? All kinds of questions. I was an intelligent little Sunday schooler. So, um, but what I want to do is I want us to try to get our arms around this because Jesus obviously has incredible value. Right? He obviously thinks this is worth something. This is the platform that Jesus came with. This is the, the context and the conversation that Jesus wanted to talk about. It's what he demonstrated in his ministry. So it was very important to Jesus. So important that he says, seek the kingdom above all else. That we're to pray for the kingdom to come. And so we've kind of, we've really got to do our diligence and try to get our arms around this thing. Okay? So I do want to say that um, we talked last week about a real kind of a broad definition. By the way, I left plenty of room for notes today, but a broad definition of the kingdom is this, that the kingdom is wherever, whenever, and however the Lord is king. So it's just loose. It's not going to be a kingdom with like a brick and mortar. It's going to be a kingdom that is defined by the kingship of Christ. And we talked last week also, this is all kind of review, about how there's only one other kingdom. So even though there's tons of different nations, all kinds of patriots in every single nation on earth, there really are only two kingdoms. It's the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven that Jesus spoke of, inaugurated in his ministry, and there's the kingdom of the enemy of God. And when Jesus showed up, it was as an invasion, a rescue mission. It was into enemy-occupied territory, but as Jesus lived in this life and as he walked the road of his ministry, you will notice as you read through the Gospels, Jesus lived absolutely free from the kingdom of the enemy. He was completely liberated from that kingdom and he completely revealed what the kingdom of God was to look like. I mean, it's just, it's so interesting to think about. Uh, there, there was a movie that came out many, many years ago. This is one of those old, old classic movies uh, called The Matrix. And in The Matrix, if you saw this, you know that there were these two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this computer, the machine. Right? They owned everything. They programmed everything. The agents of the kingdom could move anywhere through anyone at any time. And that's a, that's a true and accurate parable picture of what the kingdom of the enemy looks like. And then there were these few that broke free from that kingdom and they started fighting against it. That's a picture of Jesus coming against the kingdom of the enemy, bringing the kingdom of freedom and the kingdom of light and the kingdom of God. So that's, that's what we look like. And, and, and then you want to see, well, what is it that Jesus 
was, what is his kingdom? What are the indicators or the markers of his kingdom? Uh, what are some tangible qualities of it? Um, he's very, very clear. This is what it looks like. And he, he starts his entire ministry by reading from the scroll of the book of Isaiah. This is in Luke chapter 4. And Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, or the year of the Lord's favor. Now, um, these are not only markers then that he picked up. This was prophecy from the Old Testament. Jesus said, this is becoming true. This is being revealed in your presence. And then it was the mantle in which he, he marched under in his entire ministry because Jesus did all of those things that he just read. He, he not only spoke the kingdom, friends, he, he released power and invaded the enemy kingdom with the kingdom of God. And uh, he could do this because he had authority as king. He, he, was, he had all of his authority invested into him from the Father. And, um, but we talked last week, how did he use his authority? Jesus never used his authority to control or manipulate. Never, not even one time. It wasn't about domination in Jesus' kingdom. No, the kingdom of God, as Jesus revealed, it's about serving. It's about caring for. It's about encouraging. It's about liberating it's about providing for. It's about loving. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of love. And that's how Jesus used his authority. And then Jesus gave authority to his disciples and through his Holy Spirit, he gives authority to you and I if we're followers of him, that he, he invests his authority in us so that we can now go and do exactly what we read here in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. We're to go and we're to walk under this as markers of the kingdom of God that we reveal in this broken world. So we're to walk in this authority. We're to preach the good news. We're to, to bind up the brokenhearted. We're to bring healing where there's hurt. We're to bring liberty to the captives, etc., etc. right? All of these things we're to walk in authority with. And then there's still the enemy. And he has authority as well. But let me ask you, this is a trivia question. How much authority does the enemy of God have today? Only what we seed him. He only has as much authority as we yield to him. He is a defeated foe. Uh, Jesus came and he inaugurated the kingdom and he had all authority. All authority in the universe was invested in Christ. He invested in us. Satan has none except what we yield him. Okay? So you just have to recognize that's the, the, the reality. That's all backdrop for what we're going to be talking about today. So we are taught to pray by Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we pray this prayer, we're to actively engage our will so that we would pray for the kingdom of God to come crashing into the kingdoms of this world. And we're to seek to live in that kingdom, to make choices and to hold our actions and to come underneath the kingship of Christ in all of the areas of our lives. I was thinking, how many ways are there for us to reveal the kingdom of God in our world today? And the answer is millions Millions of ways for us to reveal the kingdom of heaven present in our daily, daily lives. I, I uh, 
I was so blessed because a, a few months ago we did a series on dreams. And some of the, some of the kids in our elementary uh, program here in our children's ministry, they got together in Kid Town and they put together their dreams. And so I just want you to see how this reflects the kingdom, okay? So here's the first one. Uh, the dream, she says, my dream is to help people in need. Isn't that great? And then flowers and someone in bed. And it's just a beautiful picture of the kingdom, right? The next one says, my dream is to be a pastor. And then on the back, there's a couple of steps. Uh, number one, tell about God. Number two, learn everything about God, which is funny. She's going to tell first, then learn. Uh, and you know what? That's how most of us do it. So, uh, and then number three is live God's word. It's just great. The next one, I love this one. It says, I think God wants me to help animals because I love all animals, even if they're gross. <laughs> the next one says, my dream is to help people and become a nurse. And my three steps are to read the Bible and help and listen to God in my heart. And yeah, God speaks to us in our hearts. That's exactly right. I love this one. It says, sell knitted stuff to raise money for wells in Africa. And then on the back, there's four steps. Step one, buy yarn. Step two, make hats. Step three, sell hats. Step four, give money. <laughs> Got a plan. Got a plan. And this last one, I need help in my life to help put my family back together. They're all kingdom, right? Every single one. A revelation of God's kingdom. It's, it's the dreams that, that are placed by God himself on our hearts. And, and I would just say to you that each dream pursued brings his kingdom come. You know, each one of us, like, look around this room, every single one of us unique. Each and every one of us, God has wired us with spiritual gifting and talent and passion and desire and experience. And he's placed each one of us in a world that is just a little bit different than the person sitting next to you. And we're to bring his kingdom in this world. Just this week, I heard a writer say to me that when we are six or seven years old, she believes we have the clearest view of the life that we are created by God to live. And it's in our preteen years and our teenage years where we begin to care more about what our friends think about what we should do or be, what our parents are pressuring us to become, what our teachers or our coaches are counseling us. And if those are the only voices that we heed, then we end up losing our way so often. But if we purposefully listen to and pray to and pursue Jesus, he gently leads us back to that place where the world's deep need and our deep gladness meet. We, we bring the kingdom. And last week, the parable that we looked at was the parable of the treasure in the field, and we talked about how the kingdom is unexpected treasure. And so what I want to do today, I want to look at a couple more parables, Jesus teaching these parables, and we'll see what it is that we have that we can apply to our daily life. So here's another parable, Matthew 13, 31. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. So we'll unpack this a little bit. Mustard seed, 
I don't know if you know this, you probably do, mustard seeds are tiny, right? They're actually quite small, the smallest of seeds, right? And, um, and yet uh, it grows big. And in fact, it grows to be the largest of all garden plants. It's rather invasive, like a weed that just keeps growing and growing, kind of takes over, uh, and it becomes a tree. And then the birds of the air can come and perch in its branches. So it's just, that's what Jesus is saying. That's, and he says, the kingdom of God is like this. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so there are a couple of truths I think we can pull away from this. And again, you take whatever notes you find meaningful to you. The first truth I think we see is that the kingdom flourishes inside us. It flourishes inside you and it flourishes inside me. And then by analogy, it's this, the, the tiny seed of God's kingdom is planted into our lives. And then it keeps growing and growing and stretching and flourishing within us. You first hear about the love of Jesus and, and you first hear about how it's unconditional and it's never ending and it's everlasting. You first get a glimpse of the grace that Jesus is offering and you think to yourself, could, could this be true? Is this really love? Not based on anything I do, not based on anything I say. I, there's no way that I could earn this love, but it's just freely poured out to me. Could this be so? And you say yes, and there's a little seed planted in your heart. Right? The kingdom planted within you, and then it begins to grow and develop and nourish and spread, and it just kind of continues to blossom within you. So I want you to think right now about yourself. Right? Just think about all of the different parts of who you are. Okay? So just think about this. You're, you've got a heart and a mind, body and soul and spirit. Uh, if you prefer terms like this, id, ego, super ego. You've got what you think and what you see and what you say and what you do and where you go and what you give your heart to. Right? All of these are parts of who you are. And when I was thinking about this message, I was thinking, you know what I want? I want God's kingdom to flourish here. I, 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 want, I want it to continue to grow and spread and develop and consume this, this guy, like me. I, I want it to go nuts here. Because friends, you've heard me say this before, it's just true, it's a part of the reality that we're all on the journey together. But after 22 years of being in ministry, I am still recognizing how selfish, how greedy, how vain, how lustful I can be. How often I'm more interested in building my kingdom than I am in revealing his kingdom. And, and so I want, that, I want that thing to, you know, hey, I want that weed. I want that invasive bush. I want it to continue to grow and spread and flourish and develop in me. I, I want to be more and more and more a kingdom guy. You know, there's a word we use often. It's, it's, it's used in all kinds of conversations today. It's used in philosophy classes. It's used in humanities. It's used, used in legislation. It's used in conversations about America. It's the word morality. And I've really been thinking lately, you know, I, I think I don't like that word. Even though it, there's an accuracy to it, I think there's an incompleteness to it. And a negative connotation to this idea of being moral. You ever see, you know, a little kid, hey, give me your dreams. I want to be moral. Like, it just never happens. 
right? There's, there's no sense of adventure. There's no invitation in. There's no, there's no being drawn up into morality. Like it just, there's nothing attractive there. You know, I, I want to give you a more holistic picture. Can I do this? Instead of thinking in terms of morality, I want you to think in terms of kingdom. Because when you allow the kingdom to, to dominate what it is that you're thinking about, when you allow the kingdom to, to sort of um, be uh, sort of superimposed over how it is that you might be in relationship with someone, or you let the kingdom be uh, how you want to do husbanding and wifing and, and parenting, right? Let, let, let this be a kingdom home. Or the words that you say, if you allow the words to be kingdom kinds of words, like it's just so much of a more beautiful picture and I think much more exciting, right? We're invited into this idea where we can live and operate as citizens of this kingdom of the most high God where Christ is king. So anyway, I don't know if that helps for you. That's what I want. And a couple of questions that I want to ask for you to wrestle with. Maybe this is in your journaling this week, but first question, what do you need to give to Jesus so that his kingdom can come more fully inside of you? What do you need to release? What do you need to let go of? Second question, where in your life does the kingdom of God's enemy still have real estate? What areas of your life does the kingdom of God's enemy still hold sway? Right, and what we want to pray that God's kingdom would come into those areas. Wherever it is that he still has claim, that he still wields authority, that by the power of God and by submitting to the Lord's spirit that you would see that even in those places that the kingship of Christ would come. Second thing we see in this parable is that the kingdom grows voraciously in the world. So it's not just that the kingdom flourishes inside of us, it grows voraciously in our world. So I want you to think about like weeds in a garden or like grass that sprouts up through the cracks in a sidewalk. Jesus is giving us this picture of a mustard seed that grows from smallest to largest in one season. Left unchecked, the mustard seed will take over all the other crops in the field. It will dominate the garden. It will overwhelm the yard. And Jesus is saying, that's exactly what the kingdom of God is like. It is going to subtly take over the world. Mustard has always been known for its fiery pungency. (laughs) I just love that phrase. Fiery pungency. And in ancient Rome, it was a symbol of power. And, And what Jesus is saying is, look, this is a revolution The kingdom of God is going to be taken over this place, right? It's going to unleash and grow and flourish and voraciously cover the world. You know, I was thinking if if Jesus lived in the Northwest, he probably would have said the kingdom of God is like a blackberry vine, (laughs) right? How do you get rid of a blackberry vine? You don't right? Just sit back. It will take over. Uh, It's like Greek mythology. You pull one vine, seven more sprout, you know? It's like, uh, oh, you see that field? Yeah, that was actually a ballpark until the blackberry took over. You see that? That was a yard until the blackberry took over. You see that, right? That was my house until the blackberry took over. It just takes over, right? It's just voracious. It just keeps going and growing and spreading. And Jesus is saying, look, that's the kingdom. That's exactly what the kingdom is like. Start small, one tiny seed. 
It's, it's just going to keep rolling. It's going to keep rolling. It's going to keep rolling. That's why we have such hope. That's why we have such joy. That's why we have such peace. Friends, followers of Jesus Christ should never sit back and wring their hands. Never look at the financial forecast. Oh, what's going to happen? We just can't afford to. Why? Because the kingdom is rolling forward, and we're invited to be a part of it. Okay, so it's within us, and then it's voraciously in our world. And the third thing, and my favorite, the kingdom has room for everyone. For everyone. Right? He ends this parable by saying, look, all the birds of the air are included. God's love is for everyone. His grace is for everyone. His care is for everyone. His blessings are for everyone. Jesus' death on the cross is for everyone. This tree is big enough for all you birds of the air to perch within, right? You mighty eagles and you flitting swallows and you croaking blackbirds. All of us can find a home here. This is the mustard seed revolution. And Jesus himself says, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, there can be no new life. How do you consume a mustard seed? It's worthless until crushed. Right? The other thing that we see about a mustard seed is that Jesus says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Remember this? What he's talking about is the authority that we have in God's kingdom. Right now, and I'm talking to every single one of you, every one of you who has said yes to a relationship of love with Jesus. I don't care how small you think your faith is. I don't care how tiny you would consider yourself. I am a tiny person of faith. Jesus is saying, look, if you're mustard seed big, right, if you got that kernel, that grain of faith within you, then you have all the authority you need. You have all the power that you need to bind up the brokenhearted and to release the oppressed and to heal where there is hurt and to care for the poor and the downtrodden and to bring justice where there is injustice. Friends, the kingdom of God is rolling forth in us. And so I, I just want you to see that it's for everyone. It's for all of us, not some elite, you know, it's not the, the pedigreed or the dignified or the educated. No, all of us, right? Look around, the knuckleheads God uses. It's beautiful, right? I think I lost my place. So I'm talking about, you know, mustard seed faith, right? I'm talking about Dijon faith. I'm talking about, like, straight up the nasal cavity faith. Like, that's, that's what we want. That's what we're praying for. That's what we want. It's for everyone. So a couple of questions. Again, this is for your own uh, journaling, your own prayer life. But first question, are you allowing the mustard tree to grow in your area of influence? So think about your area of influence. Maybe it is your home with your kiddos, your husband, your wife. Maybe it is your neighborhood. Maybe it's the school that you volunteer at where your kids go. Maybe it's the school that you're attending classes in. Maybe it's your workplace. I don't know exactly what is the area, the sphere of influence that God has gifted you today. But the invitation is that you would let that mustard seed flourish and grow there. That you would, that you would participate in it. And the next question, uh, what do you need to give to Jesus so that his kingdom can come into your world where it is that you live and serve and breathe? 
Because sometimes we're the ones holding it back. We're the ones walking maybe in a little bit of fear. Maybe we're the ones walking in a little bit of unbelief. We don't believe that the kingdom could come here. We don't believe that the kingdom could come in this person, that the seed could be planted in this person. We don't believe that, that this relationship could actually be used for the kingdom of God. So we gotta let go of our fear. We gotta lay down our unbelief. Okay. What is it that we need to release to Jesus? And then Jesus tells another parable, and this is a kind of a follow-up. This is found in Matthew 13, 33. And it's very similar. He says, uh, Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she only put a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. Uh, in fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet I will speak to you in parables. I will explain hidden things since the creation of the world. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, um, that Jesus spoke in parables so often. He did it to fulfill prophecy. It was prophesied that the anointed, the Messiah, would speak in parables and then explain them. But I also want you to understand that when Jesus spoke in parables, you realize that these stories, these analogies, they, they went deep inside of a person and they were never forgotten. The greatest way to teach, the greatest way to plant concepts is to use stories. Jesus is just a master. But this is what he says in, in, in this parable. He's talking about yeast, right? And, and yeast is alive, and, and just kind of the short version is once the leavening process begins in the lump of dough, it will continue throughout the whole lump. Here's something I found interesting in my study this week that um, Jesus uses these two concepts, mustard and yeast. And in ancient Israel, they, they weren't considered to be, you know, bad, but they sure weren't considered to be like worthy or noble uh, things of great value, mustard and yeast. They just weren't. I mean, think about uh, maybe other things you know of scripture, like uh, um, yeast. Other time it comes up, Jesus says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. I mean, that's just gross to think about, right? And uh, uh, the idea of God coming up with a covenant with ancient Israel that had to do with bread without yeast, right? It's the unleavened bread that God wanted to celebrate the Passover with. So it's just kind of an interesting thing. And then mustard, right? Think about mustard. It's just, it really is like a weed, I mean, so, so he's talking about, a, he could have used all kinds of other, you know, botanical kinds of illustration, right? Even like, um, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like the cedars of Lebanon. You know, they start like a little, you know, um, seed, acorn. I, I don't know where they start, but, uh, and then they, they grow, you know. The, the kingdom of heaven is like the, the towering redwoods of California. You know, like there, there were these majestic kinds of images that Jesus could have used. Why did he use yeast and mustard. And I think once again, we see here's Jesus so masterful, turning the whole value system upside down, right? Once again, Jesus said, no, no, I'm not gonna pull from, the, from the, the dignified or the pedigreed. I'm not gonna pull from the educated or the successful. No, the kingdom of God is gonna be marked by um, by the analogies and, and the people and, and the processes, the valuation of those the world never values, we're gonna value them. And, and, and the people you think could never be a part of the kingdom, they're gonna be first in the kingdom. 
You know, and, and, and what does Jesus say? Look, the prostitutes and the tax collectors are, are gonna be in the kingdom before the Pharisees and the religious leaders. Like, he's just dumping the whole thing upside down. He's, he's just masterful at this. And so the key, he's, he's yeast, right? So he, what is this? Well, very, very similar to the mustard, right? The kingdom, he's saying, works its way through your whole being. And, and the, the recognition, you are being sanctified. You are becoming more and more thoroughly the child of the Most High King. The, the kingdom leavening is happening within us, right? God's working it through the whole lump, if you will, okay? That's what's happening. When you say yes to that, that seed of faith, that, that relationship of love with Jesus, then that you know, that yeast of God's spirit will work through our entire lives. Second thing we see is that it is voracious. You know, yeast, you know this, yeast is a living, active agent, meaning that God's spirit planted within us is alive in us, actively working, actively renewing, actively setting us free, empowering us to be the people that God has created and called us to be. He's at work within us. Even if you don't see it, you know, yeast, it's, it's going through. And the last thing we see is that the kingdom is working its way through the entire world. The story of God's love revealed through the person of Jesus Christ is bring, being proclaimed with great joy and great power and great affection on every continent. And in more and more and more indigenous languages around the globe and soon, and it won't be long, in every single spoken language on planet Earth. We just see it. It's working its way through the entire world. So how do we reveal the kingdom? I do want to say this. We actually don't build the kingdom. But please, let's just at least, you know, be a little nuanced in our language. We don't build. If, if you find yourself building the kingdom, it's not his kingdom you're building. Uh, J- Jesus builds the kingdom. The, the spirit of God is building the kingdom. And we get to cooperate with him. We get to reveal the kingdom being built, and, and, and when we walk in love and authority and intentionality as workers of the kingdom, we get to reveal it, right? Whenever we see uh, ourselves doing the things that Jesus himself came to do, caring for the poor, preaching the good news, binding up the brokenhearted, helping the blind to see, uh, bringing freedom to the prisoner, right? Fighting uh, for justice where there is none. There are an infinite number of ways to be a, a kingdom workers and reveal his kingdom today. Last week, Pastor Alex talked about our Kid Town camp and uh, our need for leaders. Well, I, I, with great joy, I want to say that we've got 120 adult leaders right now for our Kid Town camp coming up in a couple of weeks. Now, here, here's what they don't know, but you need to know, is they are, they are kingdom workers introducing kids to King Jesus. That's what they're doing. Friends, that is a high and a holy calling. That is as noble as it gets. We're looking for 30 more kingdom workers to work in Kid Down Camp. And I, I just want you to understand, you know, if you look at it like, oh, it's going to be a drag on my schedule, or, oh, it's going to be, you know, uh, you know child care. Look, look, it's kingdom work. You, you just have to keep this in mind. Every year we send out teams. We send teams all around the world. This year we're taking trips to Thailand and Kenya, South Africa and India. And we have got incredible kingdom workers leading and serving on these trips. I'd love to invite you to consider a mission trip this year. 
I'd love to invite you to not only consider going on a mission trip, but being a kingdom worker, bringing his kingdom in another part of the world. We talk about bring vacation at Overlay, where instead of just inviting a friend, you would actually bring them along with you in your spiritual journey, that you would bring them with you to church, that you'd bring them with you into your life group, that you'd just be open and, and authentic in your own journey, bringing them along with you. Last week, I got to meet three bring-vitees, and it was great, great joy. I, I just absolutely love that process as we just, you know, we care for and we serve and we invite and bring invite others along with us. I, I just want to tell you, Overlake, I love you. You hear me say this all the time, but I love you. You're the greatest church I've ever seen. And I love the size that we are. I love the thousands that, that love God and call Overlake their home. I am not satisfied with the size that we are for the simple reason that there are too many incredible men and women, boys and girls on the east side and in Seattle who need to understand that Jesus loves them radically and relentlessly. And they need to hear a compelling message of Christ's grace for them right now in their lives. And so we've gotta be about inviting our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers along with us. And I, I just have to tell you this, that's kingdom work. That's work for the kingdom. Serve Day is coming up on August 24th, and uh, every year, this is the third or fourth year we've done this, it's just been amazing how many folks have participated in this day, but last year, I believe, we, we set loose 1,100 followers of Jesus into our community, into our schools, our parks, our uh, adult living facilities around here, simply to serve Jesus by serving the city that he's placed us in. That's kingdom work, right? That's kingdom work. And, and it just starts with us believing that Jesus meant what he said, that, that he had all the authority in heaven and earth given to him by the Father, and then he has given us that same authority. So let's walk in that authority and reveal his kingdom wherever we are. I had a fun conversation this week. Um, I, uh, it was just a unique opportunity. It hasn't happened for a long time. I, I was asked to, uh, to be on a radio program. And uh, so uh, I, I, many of you know this, may, maybe some of you actually don't know this. I wrote a book last year called Glorious Mess, and it sold dozens. And, uh, and uh, uh, so, so I was invited to go and have this interview. On a, it was out of state. I took my buddy Lee with me, and we went down, and, and we're checking into the hotel, and I was at the counter doing some stuff. And, uh, and, and the two gals at the counter started asking me, oh, you know, why are you in town? And I said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm here to be interviewed on this radio show. And they said, well, what, what, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a pastor. And they, uh, they said, oh, you're the youth pastor. I, I always get that. It's like always the youth pastor. <laughs> no, no, I'm not the youth pastor. They said, well, what, what's your area of expertise? And I said, oh, I don't have any expertise. I, that's not, that's not, a, and then they, you know, quite naturally were like, then why do they want to interview you? You know, like, you sound quite, you know, plain. And, and you know, uh, I said, well, I, I wrote this book called Glorious Mess, and, and they want to talk about it. And she said, well, why, what's, why'd you write Glorious Mess? I said, well, listen, you're supposed to write what you know. I know mess, and so that's why I wrote the book. And, and they were kind of, you know, laughing, and they said, well, where does the glory come in? And so I said, okay, well, here's... This is the deal. I, I, I said, the deal is, for followers of Jesus, we look at our lives and we see how much mess there is. 
We see mess in our finances and mess in our relationships, and we look in the mirror, we see mess. And so what happens, the great lie, is that we think to ourselves, I've got to get this mess cleaned up before I can ever do anything of significance for God. I said, the reason why I wrote the book is because that lie needs to be eradicated. I said, right now in your finances, right now in your relationships, right now in your home, right now in your work, that is the canvas that God wants to use to paint his masterpiece. And the gal behind the counter just looked at me. She had just one of those looks. She said, I needed to hear that so badly today. So I gave her a book. That's what I do. <laughs> Some people are best-selling authors. I'm a best-giving author. I just... <laughs> so friends, today... Today, within 24 hours, I'm talking about today, you're going to have a conversation somewhere. Invite the Spirit of God to show you how to interact in that moment, how to listen, how to care for, how to love, how to serve, how to pray for the person that you're just talking to. They just think it's a conversation. You know it's an opportunity to reveal the kingdom of God. Tonight, I'm talking about tonight, this night, you're going to look in the mirror while you're brushing your teeth. If you hadn't planned on this, make a plan. Brush your teeth, okay? (laughs) You're going to look in the mirror, and you're going to brush your teeth, and, and as you look yourself in the eye, I want you to realize that the yeast of God's Spirit is being worked in and through you that the mustard seed has been planted and the kingdom work of sanctification has begun. And then tomorrow you're gonna head off into your life. It's another week of pace, of work, of family, of friends. And my challenge is that you would pray the prayer that Jesus taught. Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth in my world, as it is in heaven. Be open, be looking for someone to serve, reveal the kingdom of God in and through your life. One last practical idea, we'll close. A couple of my friends here at Overlake have started doing something that they call prayer walking. A lot of us walk, especially nice days like today. We like to get out, walk, walk the dog, whatever, walk the kids. (laughs) I don't know. But they've just decided, you know what, we're going we're gonna to get in the moment with Jesus. And we're going we're gonna to pray before we start walking. So I'm talking about a couple of husband and wife teams. They just pray. They're getting their shoes on. They pray. Jesus, help us to have your mind. And then they walk the streets of their neighborhood praying for homes, praying for blessing, praying for care. If they know that there's struggle, praying for financial help, praying for, for relational help, just praying for their neighborhood. They told me, Mike, you have no idea how often serendipitous conversations happen. A family will come out right when we're walking by their house. A, uh, a, you know, a, a, a husband and wife will be in the garage with the door up talking as we're walking by, and then they'll come out and we'll have a conversation. So you have no idea how often God meets us as we're prayer walking. Again, it's just one more idea. How do you bring the kingdom? How do you reveal the kingdom? How do you cooperate with the kingdom? 
Friends, I want to start right now by praying that we would pray for his kingdom to come in here and in our world. Okay, so why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes. Lord Jesus, we really do want to tell you how thankful we are. We're thankful for your love. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for the unconditional way in which you approach us again and again and again, pursuing us, relentlessly loving us and caring for us and blessing us. We're just so thankful for this. So right now, Lord Jesus, what we want to do is we want to say that that we want to be mindful of your kingdom. We want to cooperate with your kingdom work inside of our lives. We want to cooperate with your kingdom work inside of our world. And so we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give us your guidance, that you would give us your wisdom, that you would lead us forward. As we leave this place of worship where we've gathered corporately as your body, we ask then that we would take the same mindset with this same worship and this same praise, we would take it into our daily lives. Lord, show us how. We, we wanna be a part of this mustard seed conspiracy. We pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen.